this. What a comeback for Chad Green. Back from the minors, he strikes out the side. And the Yankees win this one to win the series two games to one. You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. Rain out for the Yankees doesn't mean Sam and I are getting rained out. It is Steve and Sam once again coming at you. Sam, how are you doing? Final week of school for you, big man. Craziness. Only one more final to go. Recording this podcast. Graduation is this week. I have another ceremony this week. It is craziness. But the good part is we'll not have to step into a classroom ever again after this week. Means a lot more writing. Means a lot more getting to watch every Yankees or, or most Yankees games without doing work through the Yankees game, which I am very, very happy about i'll go from writing a paper during a game to having a couple bud lights maybe i don't know either <laughs> just way, a few <laughs> either way i am thrilled summer is coming and the yankees are 24 and 16 through 40 games now 40 even right now and they have faced a lot of adversity you can't not be happy with where this team is right now on the baseball field on the roster side of things again steve Every week, we think we're going to not have an episode having to deal with chronic roster issues, but I believe it's been all but two episodes, all but one episode this year because we recorded in the beginning of March, and then we recorded before opening day. We had the Severino and Hicks news then, and then we record the first series after – we record after the first series – and Andujar and Stanton are hurt. And it's just been injuries ever since. We're taking up 20 minutes on these podcasts just talking about roster issues. And, yeah, it fills time, but it sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. It, it's insane. It's literally every week. It's you know we, we try and come up with like segments for the show every now and then. And we're just like, we don't need to come up with a segment because there's just a, the, the injury list update takes up the first 10 minutes of the show. It, it's wild. So, yeah, obviously those other ones have been paying attention here. Two moves. We didn't even get just one. You know, this was supposed to be our injury update this week. It was supposed to be a good one. It's Aaron Hicks is back in the lineup. Well, he got rained out uh, on Monday night, so he hasn't officially played yet. But then prior to the game, we got Miguel Andujar heading back to the I.L. with a shoulder issue and then being joined by Jonathan Elwiziga, who's got a right shoulder strain. He's going to be miss at least a month. And that's a guy that's had some serious shoulder issues already in his career. So who knows where that's going to take him in the future. But the bigger name is definitely Andujar. Um, we know he's been struggling. We've kind of been texting back and forth of what we do with him, especially because Geo keeps doing Geo things. He's been back, and he's been back for, what, nine games he's played in since he came back. He's batting .088, zero home runs, zero RBIs. Something has been off with Miguel Andujar, and um, I'm okay with this move to the I.L., and he's, it's, you know, his bat is always nice. We, we, we assumed it was always going to be nice and, and be good when he came back. But clearly something's off here, and they, they need to just make the move here. Stop wasting around here. Stop wasting some of bats. Let him go and just figure this out. No idea if this could be a short stint um, or a long stint. But what we know right now that he's just uh, he's just not right at the plate. Steve, we talked about this going over our notes before the show. 
you and I were basically on the same page off the air and on the podcast. We were very, very skeptical of Miguel Andujar coming back, given the news we got after the opening series against the Orioles when he had a partial labrum tear. I thought he was going to be done for the season with surgery at that point, but they, they brought him back. He rehabbed down in Tampa. Don't remember if he rehabbed in Scranton or Trenton at all. I know he didn't rehab in Trenton because I'd have taken a ride down there. Anyway, it's not it's not been good for Miguel Andujar since he's gotten back, and something is definitely wrong. Aaron Boone came out and said today that they believe the shoulder is still giving him issues. So uh, I'm not forcing him to get surgery, but we, we've both been on the same page. He's going to need the surgery eventually, so I think the Yankees should just get it now. Or, or excuse me, Andujar should just get it now that both parties should opt for the surgery. Uh, I don't know the full extent of the injury. We only know it's a partial labrum tear, but it sounds like he's going to need it eventually, so just get it done now. I tweeted it today. The Yankees can win a World Series without Miguel Andujar. And with Didi Gregorius way, way ahead of schedule, it sounds like he's going to be back sometime in June. DJ LeMahieu can be the everyday third baseman. Gregorius will slide in at shortstop. Torres will be the second baseman. And, of course, Boyd at first. And Urshela will be the top backup infielder. But I don't want Andujar to keep playing through pain. And, again, I've thought all along that he's going to need the surgery. And with him looking just awful in his first nine games back, it just reinforces my point. Yeah, he's through three for 34 so far. So I mean, it's still a small sample size of at-bats here, but they haven't been strong at-bats. I think there's been a couple times where it just – even when he does make the contact on it, I feel like it's been like a – you know, it was missing something. It was missing something compared to last year. So it's – and then the, the boom comments kind of concerned me because I was hoping for, hey, if he's going to go back on the, on the IL here, I wanted him to say, you know – it's his arms fully healed, but you know something's just off. We wanted to just get him right, but they, he kind of was going the other way. He was like, "Yeah, the arm's an issue. They, you know, that shoulder's a problem." Um, so that kind of maybe did they rush him back here, or what? What was going on here? So this is going to be for for everybody who's been screaming at the the Yankees, you know, um, medical staff here. This is not gonna. Um, this is not going to make them happy here because it does seem like they're, you know, if the shoulder's still been bothering him, then they should not have rushed him back. If you, you know, can tell after, you know, 10 games that his shoulder's been wrong, then maybe you should have been able to tell his swing's been off in those rehab games. So I'm a little concerned here for what the, the plan is. Um, and even when he mentioned the surgery, like you said, I think both of us were like, you know what, kid's 24, fuck it, get the surgery and we'll see him next year. You know, if we, if we want, if he's a long-term plan for the Yankees, let's, let's plan for the long term. Um, so, so having the surgery still come back up uh, being an option is a little worrisome here because you don't want them to delay it even further. And then, you know, we're looking now and you push it back to September. And now he's going to miss the beginning of next year or some crap like that. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Keep something to keep an eye on here. But uh, I'm starting to lean that the Andujar is not going to be part of the Yankees' plans for, you know, the, obviously the next 10 days, but possibly for the next 10 months, um, if, especially if the surgery goes through. I thought he was going to be the one that went on the DL. Personally, when Aaron Hicks was coming off, when Mike Talkman went back down, Talkman held his job here. But the Yankees gaining a, an Aaron Hicks back in the lineup uh, really, really is uh, you know reinforces that lineup top to bottom, st- stretches it out a lot, um, and, and a big welcome for the Yankees here. So kind of glad they got rained out because I don't want to see his first day in the pouring rain. But I am going to be very happy that Aaron Hicks will be in the lineup uh, tomorrow. 
Yeah, I'm thrilled that Aaron Hicks is going to be back. He missed the first 40 games with that lower back tightness or whatever he had down there. And Hicks is going to be back. He was slated to hit leadoff tonight. But again, as I said many times last year, this guy can hit anywhere in the lineup. He is such a dynamic player, a top five player at his position in the entire game of baseball. And I know he has some injury concerns, but 120, 130 games of Aaron Hicks is better than most center fielders, 155, 158 games switch hitter, and he is going to bring a much-needed boost to the Yankees lineup. You could have argued last year that Hicks was the MVP of the entire team, given that he played the entire season. He didn't really slump. And what he brings, not only offensively, but defensively, his range in center field, his arm out in center field. You see a lot of guys, speedy guys at second base, not even test that arm from Hmm. center field on a single So, and the defense is going to be something that really helps the Yankees a lot because Brett Gardner right now at this stage of his career is not a center fielder. He just does not have the range out there anymore. We saw a couple mishaps earlier this year. So Hicks is the only true center fielder on the roster and they, they play Talkman there. A little bit, who I think has a bit better glove than Gardner, but obviously we know Talkman is a liability in the batting order. So Hicks, not only offensively, is going to have a huge impact on the Yankees, but also defensively because they sorely missed his defense out in center field. And as far as the batting order goes, I love Hicks batting leadoff. He gets on base and he shows pop, which in these last couple of years, these Major League Baseball managers... They've been facing guys who have pop at the top of their lineups in the leadoff position or the two-hole. We see it with Aaron Judge batting two. We see it with Cody Bellinger out L.A. batting there. Trout has let off quite a few times. So I want to see Aaron Hicks batting leadoff. I know he can bat at other places, but I'd like to see him in that top of that order. Yeah, and, and people always bitch about his average, you know, being a two career two thirty six hitter here, and he batted two forty eight last year. But he really does so much more than that. I mean, he, had, he was a yeah on base percentage of three sixty six last year. So he works the counts, he gets the walks. You know, overall great leadoff hitter. Then you mentioned the bombs. You know, uh, twenty seven home runs. So he's got thirty home run pop in his bat when he's playing and when he's healthy. And then being from the left side, it, it, you know, it, it elongates the lineup here. If you have a leadoff now for as a lefty here, you got Gardner playing towards the, the end, the back of the lineup now where he belongs. And then it lets you put DJ LeMayu kind of wherever you want. So LeMayu was, wasn't scheduled to be in the lineup on Monday. You know, he'll definitely be back in it on, on Tuesday. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where they what they do with the two of them in the lineup here. Um, you know, could it be, you know, they like Voight in the two-hole too, but could it be a DJ one Hicks two type scenario here? Or, or, is, or is DJ going to go back down to the, you know, the, the five, six range, which is not a problem at all because many times that spot in the order comes up and Yankees need a key hit. And, and, and DJ just gets the hits. I mean, we would, you know, he's almost up there baseball bat, you know, 330 plus over here, and he's hitting the ball all around the field. So while he doesn't provide the pop that, that Hicks prevent that Hicks has, it will be interesting dynamic to see maybe if they, they switch it up righty lefty, if who's lead off and who's in the middle of the order. Um, but either way, that just, you know, everything that Hicks does is really, you know, going to help this team. And you mentioned it there with the, with the Brett Garner thing. You know, Brett Garner's been holding his own. As you said, he's not a center fielder anymore, but he's a very good defensive left fielder. So now if he you is. put Hicks, yeah, so if you put Hicks back in center as a great defensive center, and now you got, 
you know, Brett moving over to, to, to left field and you can bench him more often. You can get him, keep his old legs fresh. The Yankees defense now again becomes a strength in the outfield because when it's at full health, uh, Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, and um, Aaron Judge, the Yankees have one of the best defensive outfielders outfields in baseball. So now you know you know this year we've been playing with you know Talkman, uh, Gardy, uh, Frazier, you know left to right, and and, and maybe mixed in there too. The, the defense goes completely down, and we saw um, the miscue between Gardner and, and Frazier not that long ago, which kind of caused a little bit of a disaster, but luckily no runs. So from the offensive standpoint, everyone's going to focus on Hicks, you know, you know, in that lineup here and how the lineup is going to change here. But from defensively, it's it's harder to notice, but it, it's a huge defensive lift for the Yankees. Um, and then now with Talkman gone, you know, Frazier and Mabin probably going to be alternating that right field spot here. And Cliff Frazier's been struggling a lot too. You know, there was some rumors by the, by Boone's tone on Sunday when they said you have to make a tough roster call for Aaron Hicks. He kind of almost hinted that it was going to be super tough and a move that might upset people. And that got people thinking that, one, it could be Andujar. But, you know, for considering the position of outfield, I got to thinking maybe it could have been Clint Frazier. Because Clint Frazier is uh, only batting 200 since he came back from the DL2. So that ankle uh, definitely bothered him and, and has affected his, his his plays at the plate here because he was on fire before the before that injury. And now he's looking to struggle too because he hasn't really done much since coming off the IL. Yeah, Frazier has not done much coming off the IL. And it was only a short stint for him on the IL. But, I mean, he was – it was a shame. He was red, red hot, no pun intended, before – he went on the IL and another Yankee struggling also is Luke Voigt. He's I believe one for his last 23. So two key guys who were carrying the Yankees there for a while, Frazier before, and then Voigt came on during the West coast trip have cooled down a little bit. And it's a shame for me to see, because especially with Frazier, he has been, he was so hot going in to that West coast trip and he turns his ankle on the base paths and he goes on the IL and he hasn't been the same player since. So not sure if that's still bothering him or what's going to happen there. But with the injuries with Stanton still out with judge still out, Stanton faced live pitching today. Good news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good news. And there's still been no progress updates on judge. I'm thinking closer to July for him. If anything, Yeah, for sure. Um, Frazier is still going to be getting opportunities, so it's it's on him to produce. It's it's you know Hicks is back, but Gardner's in left field, and and then right field's just a mosh pit of Frazier and Cameron Mabin. So he's been playing well. Shout out Cameron. Oh, Mabin. he has been. He's oh, he's over three hundred since yeah. Um, since since coming over to the and Yankees. playing good D too. Very so. Not that I should call that a mosh pit, but I mean, it's it's not the Yankees' usual starting yeah. outfield. So, Frazier is still going to be getting opportunities, as is Luke Voigt. So, it's on these guys to produce, and, and Frazier, it's just been really tough seeing him come back, just like with Andujar, just have, have not been the same player since they went on, since they came off the DL. But, you know what the good news is, Steve? Orioles pitching is in town <laughs> this week. And what better time to get back on track than with the Orioles here? Because Frazier hit three home runs over two games uh, against them last month down at Camden Yards. So what better time to get going if you're Clint Frazier? I, I agree. That's a good point. You know, the Yankees have always mashed the, the Baltimore Orioles. 
Um, so, and I'm sure Judge is mad too because Judge's numbers versus the Orioles are historic, and it's pretty amazing. But back to back to Clint, you're right. It, it's it's and Clint's kind of like he's got that attitude, and and you like the cockiness to it. And you just kind of felt he was he was probably easily at the highest of his career before that injury, and you just felt that it got the wind taken out of him. He got that you know that confidence you know kind of depleted. He was always like mad at himself that he got hurt and he couldn't contribute to the team when they really needed him. And it felt like that that's still where he's at right now. He's still mad that he got hurt. He's still mad that he had to go on the IL, and it's letting him affect his play a little bit here. So hopefully he kind of turns that around. I mean, he, we've seen what he can do. He can hit absolutely hit the cover off the ball. Um, and it just seems like he needs, the confidence is the biggest factor for him. And he could be a very, you know, his future could be a very streaky hitter. And that's fine. The Yankees have, just have to weather the storms in. And hopefully he gets hot at the right moments here. Because, you know, even with the, kind of these struggles of Andujar and Frazier, they still had a great week. You know, still took three of four from uh, Seattle and then two of three down at the Trop. So it, it could have been a lot worse, especially, you know, given the, the first, you know, 20 minutes of this podcast. We're talking about all the bad things here. Somehow the Yankees continue to keep winning, which is amazing which leads us into one of the reasons why and possibly the team MVP right now is Gio Urshela. And every single game, it seems like something new. Couple big hits down in Tampa. Um, and then obviously in the, that home run, bottom of the ninth inning versus Seattle here, a game in which he had a, an error in and people were like, oh, look, who cares? You know, if Mickey's on DH, you know, Urshela still gets an error too, blah, blah, blah. And then Gio comes back with a, a bomb of a two-run home run to dead to dead center of 433 feet. You know, I did not think he had that kind of pop in his bat at, at all there. And then DJ LeMay with the walk-off. Um, so it, it's just been it, – every day it's been something new with Gio Urshela here. And now with the – with the Andujar going back in the IL, it's it's full time Geo for you know at least to the end of this month here, and it, the kid just keeps playing. It's amazing to watch, and you go back to the 2013 season when you had the older veterans like Travis Hafner, Vernon Wells, Ooh. and Lyle Overbay carrying the team for quite some time there. But Gio Urshela is 27 years old. The Indians and Blue Jays gave him away for nothing, and like I said, he's just 27, and he's been hitting the cover off the ball and using all fields as well, hitting all pitches, fastball, breaking balls, whatever, you name it. Gio Urshela has been raking and playing solid defense at third base, which you don't see solid defense out of Miguel Andujar. No offense to Miggy. He has been one of the best players on the Yankees for the last year or so. However... It's just been remarkable to see what this kid has been able to do. And unlike Luke Voigt, Urshela hasn't had that huge sample size yet. But, I mean, he does this another month or two. I mean, what do you do? It's, it's... You, you, you send him to the All-Star game and you keep freaking playing him. He's, he's got on-base percentage of 400 right now. This, is, no, this guy is not supposed to do that ever. He's batting 341. It, it, it's unbelievable. And I don't, I don't know what you do. It's you just ride this out as long as possible. Like it's, it's pretty. Every week, it's, it's something, it's something new, it's something crazy. And he's got this infectious smile out there. He came in for a you know pinch hit, you know, the defense. Sorry, it was a defense the other day down in Tampa, and then obviously comes up in a big spot in the lineup and you know puts a little you know opposite field poke down the line to get the Yankees another run. And he did it again uh, yesterday in the, in the ninth inning, going for uh, a double. Um, so it's 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 nothing flashy here, but he just keeps getting the job done. He's got one of those couple, one or two, you know, absolute web gems at third base. But it's just everything all around it is really working, and and you just 
He's got 100, 100 plate appearances here, and this might be the greatest 100 plate appearances of Gio Scheller's career, and that's fine if it is. But, you know, if, he's just, if even if his play starts dipping a little bit here, the Yankees are okay. He's been playing that well. Um, so he's batting 300, you know. He's batting 340. He's not going to be batting 340 the whole freaking year here. But if he goes all the way down to 290, he's still putting up good numbers, and, and you just kind of let that go. Um, there's really nothing wrong with him. You know, some days, and it's crazy because some days he was batting, he was batting third the other day, and then he was batting ninth like the next day. So they're just throwing him every day in the lineup. He doesn't care where he is in the lineup, and he's just happy to be there. And it, it really is just fun to watch him. It really is, and these journeymen are always so fascinating to me. I compared him to Luke Voigt, who was stuck in the St. Louis Cardinals minor league system for all those years. Voigt comes over here at age 26, starts ripping the cover off the ball. Arshella with Indians, Blue Jays, giving them away for nothing. These journeymen sometimes just find it. Now, I'm not saying that Gio Arshella is going to be an all-star third baseman in the Bronx for the next five, ten years, but this has been such a shock to all of us because, again, Arshella did not even break camp with the team, and he comes up and starts ripping the cover off the ball. I don't think any person thought this was going to happen, and credit to the Yankees and Brian Cashman taking a chance on this guy because even if it does fizz out, what Urshela has given the Yankees in the beginning part of the season has been absolutely enormous and without Andujar and without Gregorius for the next month or so and personally I I don't think Andujar is going to play another game with the Yankees this year if they're saying that shoulder injury was still bothering him Mm -hmm. it's going to be full-time geo for the next five six weeks and this is going to be very very interesting to watch if he continues this for another five or six weeks man it's going to be very very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think going into the year, everyone was kind of con- con- concerned of where you're going to play DJ LeMayu type thing. And it was like, oh, you know, we have a, a solid, you know, almost all-star level, we think, at every type of position here once once DD comes back. Um, you know, and for now, it's been totally fine because you just kind of bounce, you know, bounce everybody around a little bit. And you have DJ going you know, almost full-time at second base, which is where he's a, a platinum, you know, gold glove winner from. So it's... The plan almost could still work out the same way. Is when DD comes back, you now have, you still have Gio kind of as your almost everyday third baseman, and then you're just kind of rotating everybody around and getting DJ his still his you know four to five games a week. And when the Yankees signed DJ, they said you know hey we're looking at you know 130, 140 games minimum with this guy, and people were just like there's no way that's going to happen. And you think if a man with an Andujar injury, you're like, oh, this is so simple now. You just plug plug in Lemayu at, at third all year, and he gets his 140, 150 games even. And it's crazy that he's not even really playing third. He's barely playing third. He's you know only once or twice a week. If anything, he's playing third because he's full time playing second. And um, you have Gio Estrella just needing to get in the lineup too. So it's it's funny how like everyone's like, oh, when the first Andujar injury came up, it's like, oh, well now the Yankees' offseason plan of playing Lemayhew every day at third is going to be fine. And, it, and it's, it's weird to see that he just doesn't even play third really any at much anymore. So it, it's funny how it all just kind of works out here. And, and speaking of DJ, the guy just literally just gets hits all the time. He hit his second home run of the year this week as well. But batting three thirty, you know, talk about one of the more underrated signings in all of baseball um, for, for for Brian Cashman and the Yankees. Steve, before I get into Lemayhew, I'm just going to get into one thing of how I w- was not 
calling the Yankees crazy that he was going to be playing 130, 140 games because I figured Gregorius was going to be out until the All-Star break. And remember, I'm about to say a name that, that you might not recognize. He, this guy played for the Yankees earlier this year. The Yankees were relying on Troy Tulowitzki to be their starting shortstop. No, he wasn't a Yankee. First half of the season. No, no, not. He, there's no way the Yankees thought that he was going to play all year. <laughs> yeah. So the, I, was, I wasn't surprised when they said 130, 140 games for LeMahieu because they were relying on a guy who played 60 games in the last two years decade. combined. <laughs> So I, I wasn't surprised that the Yankees were going to – that they came out and said 130, 140 games because I believed them. I thought Tulowitzki, honestly, I'm surprised he made it until April 3rd because the, the guy's body is made of tissue paper. That's not that's no offense on what he once was because he was so fun to watch with the Rockies and the Blue Jays uh, in his early part of his Blue Jays career. I mean, just an electric player. He wanted to play here forever. He wanted to be the – I wanted to be the shortstop for the Yankees after Jeter, but holy shit. I mean, has that blown up in the Yankees' face? But anyway, it's, bl- it's blown up in a good yeah. way. Now, I mean, now, yeah. now we're talking about DJ and Gio every day as the two most important Yankees on this roster at the moment, given all the injuries. What if Tulowitzki had, hadn't gotten hurt and, say, was batting, I don't know, 125 at the end of April? Do you think that would – I wonder if they would have stuck with him. It's so – That's a, it's an interesting kind of um, – Theory here, because you know when they they didn't bring up Geo right away. I, when Andujar got hurt, they brought up uh, Estrada for one game, and then they sent Estrada down and they brought Geo back up. And like I wonder, then you know, then you know, Tulo got hurt or whatever, like the day right after or whatever the hell it was. But with Geo not having any options left, I felt like there was there's definitely a possible scenario. Hopefully the Yankees are smarter than than me here, but like. I could have easily seen Gito been up for like a day or two, and the Yankees then just you know DFA him because we don't we don't know who this guy is or whatever. And it was so it's worked out really well. And that they they you know they brought Estrada up for that one day, and then they kind of flipped them. And now Estrada's been with the Yankees for a couple of weeks now too, playing well as well. But there's there's definitely an alternate scenario here where I feel like Gio plays you know a week for the Yankees, but because of Troy Tulowitzki you know still being healthy, that there's no room for him on the roster, and he kind of gets lost in it all. And now we're looking at Estrada as our everyday third baseman, and the the legend of Geo doesn't exist. It's crazy to think about because I was thinking about that the other day, and how if Tulowitzki was one twenty five at the end of April, and then didn't figure it out the first two weeks of May, what the Yankees would have done with him if they would have stuck with him or not? Because Brian Cashman was really adamant that yeah, Troy Tulowitzki is our totally. everyday shortstop. Yeah, it, but. Moving back to LeMahieu, I mean, the guy just rakes. And I'm going to be the first person to say I was throwing a temper tantrum when the Yankees did not sign Machado or Harper. But DJ LeMahieu, and I'm not equating him to Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, LeMahieu is just what this lineup needed. A guy who puts the ball in play constantly. And over An over 300 hitter. You know, the analytics people, and I buy into analytics, let me make that clear. I have said that a lot of times on the podcast. The analytics people say, oh, batting average doesn't mean much anymore. But to have that one guy hitting, you know, 290, 295, 300 or over in the lineup, it really, really helps. And LeMahieu is just what the doctor ordered. He also can play three positions out in the infield and really – the textbook guy to have on this Yankees team. I wish we could go back to October 
One, so I could relive college again. Two, <laughs> two, so we could have DJ LeMayhew in that Yankees postseason run last year. Not run, but f- for the it, it could have been a run. It could have been a run. Could have been a run. Um, yeah, it's good. I, so I, I feel bad here, so I forget who who tweeted it and who wrote about it here. But I, I found a very interesting DJ article um, talking about the Coors Field split because um, that's that was kind of everyone's biggest thing, and we 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 even mentioned it a few times. That, His OPS you know, was on OPS was under seven hundred away from Coors Field last year. It's something I something I said on our first yeah. off season episode as well. So, so the thinking here is that Coors Field, those splits happen because when they're facing pitchers in Coors Field, the atmosphere screws up with the breaking balls and the curveballs and breaking balls in Coors Field just aren't as good. So then when they go back on the road, they're, they're kind of fooled because now the curveballs are moving way more than they would when they're at home. So that's kind of what creates the split there. So now here he's out of Coors Field and it, you know it's a level playing field now, going from Yankee Stadium to... Boston, Baltimore, or whatever, the, the pitcher stuff is moving as expected here. But Coors Field affects the pitchers as much as it affects the hitters and, and the movement of the balls and the, and the home runs and everything. So they're kind of the thinking was that Coors Field is a – you get the Coors Field split not because you hit better um, in Coors Field but more because the pitchers are pitching worse in Coors Field and you're just – you're not used to – you know, that change when you go back on the road. So that was an interesting take here because we're watching DJ play here and you're, you're kind of looking like, how could he play so bad on the road, you know, outside of Coors Field? And now that he has, you know, take Coors Field out of the equation and they're, they're, that those splits have kind of disappeared. And I think that was an interesting thing here because watching DJ play, it, you know, it seems like this guy can hit on Mars. He can hit a, he can hit a ball and get on base. So I, I thought that was an interesting little thing that I never thought about here of the, the Coors Field split being more because of the pitcher, but not because of the hitter. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I never thought about it that way, honestly. I'll have to go look at that article. Or I, I know you said you didn't remember who wrote I'll it. I'll find it. I'll try and retweet it out before the night to give, uh, give whoever's credit. Because I, I thought that. I was like, wow, that's like, all right, that was good. I like that. Because we, we talked about it for a long time, the, the, the DJ split and how it made us nervous. Yeah, it did make us nervous, and the Yankees committed $12 million a year to this guy for the next two years, and he's lived up to that and more so far, but the OPS and the splits overall really, really concerned us, and that's just so weird to think about how the pitches don't move the same in course field, because when you really think about it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. you're at a much higher altitude doesn't move as much. You see, our the hitting obviously is what it's everybody. It's easier to about. notice the hitting. Yeah, you notice the hitting, but the pitching. It's why the Rockies, uh, to, to focus on them a little bit, have had a lot of trouble developing pitchers in their system and bringing them up to Coors Field. I mean, they have Freeland out there who had a really who's been really good for them, but. Not many pitchers have come up through the Rocky system and really done much. That's why when they were selling a couple of years ago, they, they insisted on pitching, pitching, pitching. Because yeah, it's, tough. it's tough on a pitcher out there, as as you said. And, and without even reading the article, just thinking about that, it makes a lot of sense. And then even from the just sticking on the Rockies here, we're now we're now a Rockies podcast, but like it, it's gotta it's gotta affect the Rockies pitchers too when they're at home versus when they're on the road. So I'm curious to kind of look at their splits from a breaking ball perspective, of you know if, if their breaking ball is much more efficient 
on the road because they're just getting better movement. I wonder if they you know they just you know thinks it's you're having a good day with the breaking ball, but actually it's because you're leaving Coors Field. Um, so it'll be it's an interesting little thing to to look at. You know the you know the, 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 that's baseball season of this week is just kind of how the the DJ. DJ road splits from the, the past have disappeared here, and he, he's doing pretty well no matter the ballpark. Uh, moving over to the pitching side of things, the other injury was was, was Johnny Lasagna. Jonathan Loisega on the IL, um, four-week shutdown, no throw-in, so that's going to push him you know, at least a month and a half, two months before he's ready for anything. Um, he struggled in his last outing, coming up as the spot starter for Jonathan – I'm sorry, for James Paxton. Um, and the Yankees today, we're going to go with – Luis Sessa was getting a start because of this. I don't know if it's going to be more of an opener role with Chance Adams coming in later in the game here. Um, we'll see what happens Wednesday with the uh, with the doubleheader. But uh, the Yankees now have to kind of fill that spot. It looks like Paxton is on tra- on pace to just miss those two, three starts that he that it was projected. So he's already missed one um, and maybe two. So if we could, the Yankees could get away with not really needing a starter. Uh, the rest of this week, and then have Paxton just jump back in there. It really doesn't seem like to be an issue. But that that pitching depth that we we kind of were hoping and worried about going into the year is now you – know, we have three starters. If you count uh, Loisaga, you have three starters on the IL with Paxton, Severino, and Loisaga uh, on, on, the, uh, on the IL. Not ideal here. So the Yankees may – hopefully Paxton comes back, but they could be looking for uh, – you know, try and sneak a few starts of guys that we probably don't want starting games. Yeah, and a guy you mentioned in there, Severino, since our last podcast, uh, Brian Cashman officially came out and said that we're not going to see him until after the All-Star break. Again, I think we're both on the same page with this. I think we're kind of in wait-and-see mode with Severino. We'll we'll see him when we see him pitch. Uh, But Loiska, I I know he doesn't – he hasn't been great in, in, in his Yankees career, but he sure has the stuff. I mean, Baseball America, uh, MLB Pipeline, this guy's a top 100 prospect on both of those lists uh, for a reason because he has really, really good stuff, and he hasn't been able to put it together yet, and injuries have been a concern when he's with the Giants organization as well. They just and, flat out cut him. <laughs> yeah, since since he's been here. So I don't know what's going on with the Weisica, but – it's going to be, you know, six weeks or two months before the Yankees see him again, before we see him pitching again. So, again, the Yankees with the injury bug in pitching. And I'm just very, very concerned with Severino and now Loisica and now Paxton. We'll see when he is able to come back maybe later this week, early next week. But you look at who they have in the rotation right now, Tanaka, Herman and a guy like CC Sabathia. I'm wondering when CC is going to have to get his first 10 day DL breather. Drain they the gave him, yeah. They they gave him a couple of last year. They gave him two or three. I believe it was just two. But I mean, that's got to be coming up very very soon. So Yankees pitching depth is definitely concerning. Hap, too. He's kind of bounced back from his early season struggles, but starting pitching is something the Yankees are absolutely going to be in on this trade deadline season. And we looked, we talked about it in our pre-show discussion that there's already been a little bit of move. There's already been a little bit of news with mad bum given his no trade list to the giants 
so the Yankees, with these starting pitcher injuries, with the concern about Sabathia, with Hap's homeritis being a little <laughs> bit of a thing. Homeritis, that was a good one, not to compliment myself. <laughs> Mark it down. But Sam homeritis. Sam thought he had a good one, 35 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> so the Yankees are absolutely going to be looking to add starting pitching uh, coming up to the yeah. summer. Now. We're only two weeks away from Memorial Day now. So you kind of – Memorial Day is kind of that benchmark in the MLB season. It's kind of like, okay, we are what we are now. Uh, if we're not playing our best, if we're overachieving, let's see where we are on the 4th of July, a month before the trade deadline happens. But I'd be shocked if the Yankees didn't add a starting pitcher at some point in the next two months. Yeah, and you mentioned Mad Bum here. So the Yankees were – so the, the initial report, including myself, was like, oh, the Yankee Mad Bum doesn't want to play for the Yankees because he's on the no trade list here. But he listed eight – pretty much the only eight contenders, I think, for a World Series on that list here. And, you know, it came out that it's, you know, all to use leverage and he can pick which contender he eventually wants to go to. So there's obviously going to be a lot of interest in, in Mad Bum there. He hasn't been, that, you know, the original Mad Bum that we all kind of expected him to be. Um, you know, because he's gotten older, he's had some injuries here, so he, his his stuff has gotten a little a little worse here. But that 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 playoff history is impossible to ignore here. So something to just keep an eye on here. Um, you know, with the Yankees on that no trade list, does not exclude them from from going after someone like Bumgarner here. And the other intriguing name that had has a lot of news this week is Dallas Keuchel. We've talked extensively about Dallas Keuchel here. I would have given him a deal early on in the year before before the Yankees made some other their other moves. Um, he is, is, looks like he's getting closer here. You know, he has to wait until after the draft. That was on June 3rd or June 2nd. Um, and then he's looking to sign super early. Scott Boris said he could literally sign that night. He, he looks ready to be going and, um, good old John Heyman, believe him or not, but he has the Yankees as the favorites to land him here. And you have to think with the injuries, the Yankees have been going on here. Now, if you add Loisica to that, hopefully Paxton comes back here, but a guy like Keuchel, is someone the Yankees should be very high on. If they're looking for not giving up draft compensation here, you don't need to make a trade as you would with Bumgarner, and you just need to just eat some innings here. I'm not looking for Keiko to come in and be the number two playoff starter or anything like that. I just need him to come in and be healthy and eat innings, and if, if the magic hits, the Yankees have seen him pitch in the playoffs and completely shut down. The Cy Young stuff isn't completely gone. It's definitely decreased a little bit here, but you know, for the right price, the Yankees need to be in on Keuchel, and I'm willing to go above that price to make sure he doesn't go to a contender here because similar to, to Bumgarner here, he probably wants, if he's going to go for, become probably likely could be a free agent again next year, he wants to play for a title contender here. So he could go back, who knows, back to back to Houston where he's comfortable with. Someone, you know, if the Twins keep playing like the Twins have been playing, uh, you know, besides when they play the Yankees, he might go there. So there, there's a lot of teams that could be going. So if the Yankees pass on Keuchel and he goes to an AL East team it could be facing him again in the playoffs and we saw how that's gone in the past yeah you mentioned him going possibly going to another ALEs team you know whether it be the Rays or Red Sox the Ray, or... him going to the Rays would suck because you know he'd pitch great versus us in the trap oh my god that <laughs> would be like a no hitter waiting to happen uh, anyway it kind of reminds me of the Zach Britton thing a couple of years ago where or just last year where the Yankees yeah, they wanted to increase their bullpen, but obviously the Astros and the mm -hmm. Red Sox were also calling the Orioles on Zach Britton. So 
I'm absolutely in on Keiko if it's the right price. And like you said, Steve, I'm looking to go a little bit above that. The Yankees need starting pitching, and it's always a need for team with these injuries. And I mentioned CC Sabathia of how that totally. need can flare up at any moment. I mean, CC's almost 40 years old, so you need starting pitching depth. Jordan Montgomery, he's been he threw a bullpen recently, but you can't really. I'm not, I'm not counting on, on Monty. I'm not counting yeah. on him either. Although I'm very, very. I, I, I like the I like the reports I'm hearing about him, but I'm, I'm not I'm not in on him being our you know being ready to go in August. He, he's going to be a one or two games in September, is is my scenario for him. Yeah, and I, I'm excited to see him. Anyway, yeah. I'm absolutely on Keiko if it's the right price. The amateur draft is the, the first or second Wednesday in June, I believe. It's always been that. It's been a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I don't know. But anyway, we're under a month right now from the Yankees having to give up a draft pick for Dallas Keuchel. And pounce. Be ready. Excuse me. A lot of teams right after that MLB draft are going to be sprinting to the phones to call Scott Boris about Dallas Keuchel. And he is going to go very, very quick. It's the same for Kimbrel, I believe. He'll be signed quickly after mm-hmm. that as well. And it kind of sucks. It's not a good look for the sport. Kimbrel especially, he's been the best closer since Mariano Rivera hung him up. And Keuchel, just a Cy Young winner, you know, three or four years ago. And he he's declined a little bit, but he, he's still a borderline frontline starter for a team uh, maybe, maybe that three, maybe that very quality three high end four type. So it, it's not good for the sport, but I am anxious to see if the Yankees are going to make a move. And I wonder if the Boris to Heyman report is showing a little bit here. I wonder if that's to get some leverage, maybe drive the price up that the Yankees are in on Keiko because we saw what happened with. Bryce Harper mm-hmm. in the Phillies of how Heyman was just saying, oh, he, he may sign in the next week, blah, 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 just to drive that price up. So Scott Boris, well, yeah, they, well, anything well, John Heyman <laughs> is saying, he is getting right from Scott Boris. So take that with a grain of salt. 100% here. So we, we don't know really where, where that could go, where it could lead. But, you know, you know, a squirrel finds his nut every now and then, too. So it could be accurate and we'll see what happens here. But Couple weeks, couple weeks where we talk about Dallas Keuchel. Hopefully, in pinstripes here, you know, with a guy at 200 inning eating, inning eater, only 31. Hopefully, he's been ramping up his stuff there. Um, he'll, be, he'll look a lot different if he comes with pinstripes and get rid of, gets rid of the beard here. But I'm a little worried if he goes to a, a competitor here and hurts the Yankees like he has in the past. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that um, and take every report with its little grain of salt. Um, Sam, I want to talk about the tro- we mentioned the trap a few times. The drop lost power for like an hour versus the Yankees. And then they had um, Gary Sanchez got a base hit off hitting the catwalk. And Kevin Cash, the manager for the Rays, was just like, yeah, that never goes my way or whatever. It is just unbelievable that this stadium still exists. I, I know it's tough to get funding, but I mean, if you're owning a baseball team, you have plenty of freaking money. You can build a stadium and, and figure out ways to work it out. But the changes so far this year, the drop where they have completely closed the upper deck, the, the third deck is completely closed. Did you see they called it a sellout on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Yankees, twenty five thousand people or something. They've also gone completely K 
cashless, right? They were the team that went completely cashless. Now, so you have to pay with a credit card or Apple Pay inside the stadium here. They they upgraded the lighting, and then the lighting failed versus the Yankees and was at a 45-minute power outage. And then, of course, the catwalk gets into it all. This has got to be the worst arena in U.S. sports across all four major sports, right? I mean, this is the Yankees... And it's been the Yankees' nightmare. And they went out down there and took two of three. So congrats to that. Now, we haven't even really talked much about Tanaka. Tanaka versus Blake Snell came out and pitched a gem on Sunday here. It's a great win for Tanaka and for the Yankees to take that series against the first-place team. So, you know, the drop for all the bad things that are going on off the field, they're still a very good team. And the Yankees won two of three versus them uh, in, in, in Tampa. And they not only won two of three... But like you said, they beat Snell and they beat Glass now in the games yep. that they started. So the knock on the Yankees before they played the Twins, who, by the way, had the best record in the American League when they came to the Bronx, the knock was, oh, they haven't beat anybody. Then they beat the Twins two out of three. Oh, they avoided Burritos. And then what's the knock on them after this weekend? Taking two of three at the Trop, uh, the first place team in the American League East, and beating Glass now and Snell. Yeah, the Yankees are for real, even though they have a bit of a Scranton-Wilkes-Barre connection in the lineup right now. So it was a great weekend for the Yankees, but back to the trop. I was saying to my friends, how does the MLB even still allow this team to play in the trop? I mean, it is bizarro. It seems like there's an issue every time the Yankees are down there. You go back to last June when Clint Frazier hit one of the catwalks on a ball that was destined to go 6,000 feet to put the Yankees ahead in the ninth inning. You go to this weekend, a power outage for almost an hour. Steve, imagine if this happened in the fourth inning with Tanaka and Snell both dealing. Yeah. Would they have point. had to come out of the game? Yeah. I mean, it was 45 minutes. You got to, right? Yeah. Good rain delay. It, it would have been affecting the outcome of the game. Had this happened, say, in in the third or fourth inning. So the MLB, it's a shame on the MLB. If they can't get the funding for a new stadium, move in the freaking Montreal or something. (laughs) That goes the same with the Oakland Athletics and the the issues that their stadium has had. Even though the, the Athletics have tightened up the issues a little bit. They had the flooding in the dugout a couple years ago. But... My goodness, at some point, the MLB has to step in, right, and say, if your greedy greedy owners aren't using their money to build a new stadium and they aren't getting funding to move the team somewhere else because no Rays fans go to the game anyway. It was 25,000 Yankees fans there on Saturday. Two of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, one of the best teams in baseball, and – it's you go back to when they were in the ALCS against the Red Sox uh, 11 years ago, and uh, that stadium's still all Red Sox fans. So if they're not going to get a new stadium, if they're not going to use their own money, move the team to Montreal, move the team to San Antonio, move the team to Danville, Illinois. I don't really care. <laughs> but again, the trop is becoming a, an atrocity, and they just signed a deal to be there through 2026. Yeah, it's not going away. It's not going away. It's absurd. Yeah, and um, uh, good old Yankee legend Phil Hughes was 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 bashing it all weekend. So he's Phil's a good follow on Twitter these days. Now that he's he blocked me for some reason. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, I don't Uh, know. Probably like four years ago. I don't know what I tweet. I I look. I went through my tweets 
and I don't know what I tweeted to him. I didn't, I didn't see anything that I tweeted to him, but I'm blocked. Uh, unblock, unblock Sam. Let's get, let's get it going. Let's get him back out there. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's the biggest thing is, is it's a, it's a, it's a shame for the the Rays, the team itself, because like you said, they're they're very good. They have a lot of good young players out there. You know, Snell actually just signed an extension to stay there. But it's really hard for them, you know, to to want to be there. You know, they don't have the fanfare. You know, they don't get the, you know, they won 90 games last year. Nobody freaking cares. They're leading the AL East again this year to start the year two. They've made some great trades to help out their system. they got some great young players here. Um, and it is a shame because, you know, they, they – they should be having a, a very packed stadium to enjoy them play, and you know to be pretty much on the road 162 games because there's more away fans than there are home fans is, is disappointing for the sport here. So, well, you said 2026 here, so there's no solution in sight here. But hopefully by then MLB has figured stepped in and figured something out there because it is a shame. And you know if, if they continue to play good and they get to a World Series again. If you have a ball go off that stupid catwalk in the World Se- Game Seven of a World Series here, you know baseball minds are going to freaking explode. So let's try and avoid that. Let's get the first off. Let's make sure the Yankees continue to beat the race so they never get to the World Series. But if some some reason they do, let's make sure that you know the, the field isn't the reason why a game is blown. So we'll figure it out here. So you said you mentioned Clint Frazier, hit fake home run last year hitting up there. The Yankees have been quiet with the home runs here on the this week's update of the, the the New York Yankee home run tracker here. They only have 57 home runs on the year after a very slow week here. That drops their pace to only 230 home runs, so very far off the mark of um, their MLB record of 267. Um, we mentioned all the injuries and all the power that, that's, that's left the lineup here, um, and you know while we really enjoy the guys like Gio Urshela and DJ LeMayu, they don't bring the pop to the home run tracker here, and they make it so I'm a little bored after the games here because I want to look up all these distances and bombs that they're going off here. But we did have some home runs. Actually, the Geo, uh, Estrada, and uh, DJ are, are one of the few people that all hit a home run this week. So like I said, they're at 230 here. Farthest home run of the year still belongs to El Gary Sanchez with 467 feet. And even though he didn't hit a home run at all this week, Gary Sanchez has the most home runs in the team. Him and Luke Voigt tied with 11 home runs. Um, and so like I said, it was a slow week, so... Easily, the, the biggest home run of the week was G. Orshel's ninth inning uh, dinger to, to tie it in Seattle. Yeah, it absolutely was, and that's that's my home run of the week as well. Steve, before we go, uh, before we start wrapping up the show, you mentioned Tyro Estrada. Now, we both thought, or you mentioned last week, that he, he should be maybe be getting some regular at-bats in AAA, but he is currently up over Tyler Weed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You have to be at this point. Tyler Weeds is, as you know, I've tried to save his soul for as long as possible to think that he could be a great regular or the perfect twenty fifth man on a roster here. But but Estrada's been great. He's played. Estrada hits too. Estrada hits. He never played left field before. He's starting left field in Major League Baseball over there. He's bouncing around the infield. Um, he, we could play short, second. He could even play third if needed to. Um, so as I did want him having regular bats there, because I didn't want to ruin his development. Kid's killing it. And, you know, I don't mind him at all staying up here for a while. Uh, I thought he was possibly on the chopping block for Hicks and likely will go down once we get fully healthy again. But kid's been playing great. Um, he's, you know, fully injured. The dude got shot and is still hitting better than, than Tyler Wade ever will. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's just one thing I wanted to mention because, yeah, yeah it, it's notable that he is up here over Tyler Wade. And I was talking to my buddy about this yesterday. Estrada hits, and for as long as he's hitting – he deserves that second infield spot over Tyler Wade because 
Uh, I know Wade's fast. I know he plays some pretty good defense, but uh, no. I, I like hitting. And he had a nice, <laughs> he had a nice opposite field shot on both his home runs. Both his runs on an O two pitch against the Rays in the ninth inning on Sunday. So I'm ex- I, I really like what Estrada's doing, and like you said, he was shot. So, <laughs> so you got great. we got that too. It's great to it's great to see him bounce back from that and. Hey, if the Yankees get fully healthy, maybe he's a trade chip for somebody in July. Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of always what I thought about him. Is it's very crowded infield, but he's got some. He's got some serious potential. Um, you know, uh, he's he's a little short in stature. Kind of reminds me of a little bit of um, Jose Altuve up at the plate, just because we're used to having seeing these monsters like Judge, Stanton, and Voight hit. So it is kind of funny to see him get up there with the being. I mean perfectly normal height but just compared to some of these Yankees players it has been funny so we'll see if he gets a couple starts this week too as the Yankees do get a little healthier so the rain out last last night uh game Tuesday doubleheader Wednesday so we got still gonna have four games I'm sorry still gonna have three games versus the Orioles and then those those pesky rays come right back uh and we'll be playing three here at the stadium so it's a and then the Orioles again after that so the Yankees have going back to last Friday Tampa Baltimore, Tampa, Baltimore. So one good team, one bad team. Um, but the Yankees played played Tampa well this weekend. Let's hope it continues next weekend as well here. So lots of uh, division games this week. Um, the doubleheader is always tough because it's always tough to sweep a doubleheader. But Baltimore stinks, and we do love pitching them. So what are you looking for uh, out of the rest of the games this week? Winning three against Baltimore, at least getting two or three. I'm fine with losing the Sessa start. I mean, you, you – this early in the season, I'm not, and I know all games count the same, but if you have to have Luis Sessa start a game in May because of injuries, it's not the end of the world. It's it's different in the sense of having Luis Sessa starting around trade season or yep. August because that, that's after the point where you can make a move, and, and injuries causing it, are one thing, but I mean, the Yankees had Sessa start in a couple games in July last year, and it's like, oh my god, what the fuck are you doing? Because you're throwing away games in a pennant race around trade season where some other team starter can be in here for you guys. But if they lose the Sessa game, it's not the end of the world. And then the Rays come in this weekend, and it'll be tough to beat the Rays two weekends in a row, two or three. You saw Last month, the Rays got swept by the Red Sox and then won two games at Fenway. The only team, the only two games that were played because of a rain delay, and they were on back-to-back weekends as well. So it's going to be tough to beat the Rays again. Alston Meadows is going to be using that short porch in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, good. That's a frightening thought. He hit a missile off of Tanaka on Sunday as well. So Meadows and the short porch scare me, but. You know, let's have a four and two, five and one week, a winning week with no more injuries. Now, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I, broken I say record. This of, say this at the end of every episode, but I fully expect another injury by the time we get on next Monday, Steve. Oh, that would, that would suck. That would, I'm hoping not. Um, well, I mentioned playing Glass now and Snell. Glass now, unfortunately, is going to be out uh, four to six weeks with a strained forearm, which is never a good sign for a starter there. Um, he kind of got taken out of the game versus the Yankees. Uh, they do get Snell again on Friday. Um, then they'll have Charlie Morton uh, on Sunday. And the Yankees are very familiar with Charlie Morton, given his history with the, the Astros in the playoffs. Uh, looks like Saturday we'll have an opener for, for Tampa. And then hopefully Sunday could be Paxton. 
So that's what that's kind of what I'm looking for for the week here is Baltimore's Baltimore. Take care of business. Um, let and then have you know you know CC Tanaka and then we can finish it off Sunday with with Paxton is what I'm looking for. Um, and hopefully he can come back strong and have kind of get rid of the, the worry that a lot of people had of him going to the DL and keep this to a short stint. So we'll, we'll pay, pay attention to that. We'll uh, Yankees continue. I haven't lost a series. You know, take away that two game series. Um, Versus the Diamondbacks here. The Yankees are just cruising through series wins here. So I'm with you. Let's just get two more series wins. Um, and then they got four versus Baltimore after that even more. So we get a lot of lots of wins that are possible on the board here. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of podcasting in Pinstripes. And then a special shout-out to Sam for gra- college graduation. Get that final, final done. And then go walk down the aisle, big fella. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you later, hopefully as a college grad. See everybody else next week. Doodles.